Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. The COVID-19 virus has upended our lives for months now, and for many, our diets have really taken a hit. Nutrition, exercise, you know, those are the best ways to prevent and treat illness and improve our quality of life. And uh, so I'm happy to, uh, to invite to the show today and welcome Courtney Anderson, an expert on diet and nutrition. Um, Courtney? Yes, hello. Good to have you here. You Thank have you. an alphabet soup after your name. You've got MSRD, LD. What, what does all that mean, number one, and, and what got you interested in this field? Yeah, so I'll just start from the beginning of the alphabet soup. Uh, MS, Master's of Science, RD, Registered Dietitian, LD, Licensed Dietitian. And I'm actually adding CLC at the end of that, which is a uh, Certified Lactation Counselor. Oh, And I'll okay, have good. that by the end of the summer. Very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very important for uh, nursing moms mm-hmm. and because it's... It's a very natural process, but not necessarily the easiest thing. Right. There yeah. are a lot of pitfalls that can happen. Right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't have any children of my own, but I have heard that from women who have children. That is just something um, that they would have really loved to have is that support and a little bit of guidance and education along the way to make it a little easier. Um because I've heard that it can be really challenging, especially when people around you don't really know how to help. Right, right. And it's just so easy to buy formula and just be done with sure. it, you know. Yeah. And um Anyway, so I could go. I could go on and on. Nursed all, all three of my babies, and just loved that That's awesome. part of motherhood. You know, mm-hmm. and it's so important. But it it can be quite a challenge. So it's it's great that you're. So how are you preparing for that part to become a lactation counselor? Um, the certification is now online because of COVID, which worked in my favor because mm-hmm. I'm able to work and do that in the evenings. Um, and so my ultimate goal is to offer the perfect approach to nutrition for mother baby. And so I would love to eventually offer like prenatal nutrition classes for moms and then do breastfeeding classes to prepare for when they have the baby. And then I would love to set up a series of appointments to do infant feeding assessments, making sure the latch is good, making sure there's enough milk transfer, and then also focusing on mom and making sure she's getting the right nutrients postpartum and recovering after that. Oh, it's so important. I mean, it, it really is very, very important. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing that. Well, let's kind of go back. So what what got you interested in this line of work? Have you always kind of liked science and food and, you know, all this kind of thing? Yes, always loved food. I was <laughs> a very good eater, as my mom would put it when I was younger. Um, I loved science. It was my favorite subject growing up. Um, but what got me interested in nutrition is actually, a, I think it's an interesting story. 
and is, is actually pretty personal. Um, my best friend passed away when I was 13. And so in struggling with that, I'm not good with my emotions. And so food was kind of like my cover up thing, sure. thing that I would use to cope. Um, walking through that, I gained a lot of weight and then realized that, oh, I don't want to be heavier than all my friends. I need to lose a lot of weight. And so I ended up uh, adapting or um, adopting some very unhealthy eating practices that now I know would have been uh, diagnosable for an eating disorder. And so walking through that in high school, gaining weight and then losing it really quickly was just really hard. Um, but the sad thing was, is I only received praise for losing weight when people didn't really know that how I was losing weight was very unhealthy. And so um, I became curious, thankfully, I'm thankful that it didn't spiral farther. Uh, but I became curious as to why I'm doing this to myself. Um, why do I feel the need to do this? And just started researching on my own my senior year of high school, found out that I was fascinated with how the body used food. And so I decided to stay that in college just because I was interested in helping myself. And then I realized like, wow, I could really help a lot of people who just don't really understand food and try to, you know, control food and um, use it in unhealthy ways. Oh, that that's a great story. I Thank mean, I, I love that story because, you know, I have a friend who whose daughter, you know, got into, you know, the whole eating disorder. I mean, they, and there are actually therapy places that they can go to. Right. Mm-hmm. Like for drug rehab or whatever. It's yeah. for eating disorder because it, it it's your mind mm-hmm. that's involved. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I thankfully never um, felt like I really needed to go to inpatient, but I know that that's really helpful for people who are really struggling. They just don't know how to get out of that um that whirlwind of emotions and the physical behaviors, the mental behaviors, all that stuff. So I know I've heard a lot of people say that inpatient uh, therapy was life-saving for them. Mm, yeah. So, and you can identify now. I yeah, mean, I and that's what's so important uh, as, as someone who's gone through uh, actually, you know, having a eating disorder, I mm-hmm. guess, in, in some way. Um, well, let's talk about diets. Let's talk about there, because there's so many out there. Um, there's gluten-free and there's, you know, Mediterranean and you can go down the list. Sure. And you, you almost don't know what to believe. Right. It's very confusing, extremely confusing. And I ran into that confusion when I was in high school kind of going through that journey. Um, and I think I have a unique perspective on the diets out there. And I just want to remind everybody that I am looking through the lens of somebody who has experienced disordered eating and with the understanding that the majority of women also experience some form of thoughts or desires for disordered eating. Um, and so I actually considered an anti-diet dietitian where I, <laughs> I don't recommend any list of rules to anybody. And oh, really? So, right. Mm-hmm. Um, which there are there is research out there recommending certain diets for certain population groups, but from what I've experienced, people kind of blow that out of proportion and then apply it to the general population. Um, so a good example of that is the keto diet has been researched right. for children with epilepsy. So a very specific population group um, has shown the keto diet to be helpful. But as far as the general population, it can do far more harm than good, especially for somebody who might have underlying kidney disease that they don't even know about yet. And the keto is one that's very high in fat, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And low carb. Yeah, very high fat, low carb. Um, it's. I don't like any diets that follow a strict list of rules and kind of train you to not listen to your body's internal cues of hunger or fullness and all that sort of stuff. Not to listen to that? When the, di- when the diets tell you not to listen oh, to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I definitely support the idea of intuitive eating, listening to what your body's telling you, mm-hmm. um, understanding that a little better. So I don't support any diet that tells you to ignore that. Okay. Um, however, most diets 
are very short term. Like the whole 30 is just a 30 day plan. Right. I know. And so then what do you do on day 31? I go back to McDonald's or whatever. I mean, right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, But as far as safety, because it's so short lived, the safety uh, aspect is really fine. Um, But it's just kind of training your body to ignore itself farther. Um, But the keto diet is one that really makes me weary of for a lot of people because that one can actually be very dangerous. Mm. Um, I've heard of a lot of people who had underlying kidney problems that they didn't really recognize. But then um, when they started the keto diet, their kidneys just started spiraling downhill very quickly and they had to go to the ER and... Well, um, I mean, isn't part of it actually doing a stick test, a urine test to see if you're in ketosis? I mean, isn't there an actual physiological change when you're actually eating that way? You know, then you... That's what my, my understanding is not, not very great right. on all this, but it, but it seems like, you know, you, you, you would see if you actually were in that. And so I guess, you know, yeah. if your kidneys are involved and yeah, then there would be definitely, uh, it would show up in your urine. And the reason they went to the ER is because they, their urine was black. <sighs> and so that was a red flag good. for them. No, it was <laughs> not a red, right. it's not no. good. That was a red flag for them. And they need to go to the hospital. And oh my the gosh. reason for that problem is that their kidneys were failing because they were following the keto diet. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which, of course, doesn't happen for everybody. Right. I know. I know. But yeah, but to, to, to know that. To mm-hmm. know. Um, okay. Let's talk about gluten-free, though. What about mm-hmm. what about that? You know, because there are some people that actually um, have celiac disease sure. or, you know, have certain, you know, physiological reasons they can't eat grains. But are there some grains that we really should just avoid in general? Are there foods you think that we'd be better off not eating that much of? Right. So again, the gluten-free diet has been approved for a very small population group, those with celiac disease and those with possible gluten intolerance. It would be best to avoid gluten, but um, it's also become a buzzword. And so people think, oh, gluten is bad. So I should just avoid everything with gluten. And that's not the case at all. Um, I think a lot of people don't really understand what gluten is. And all gluten is, is a protein found in wheat, rye, and barley. And so it's just a protein that happens to be found in some grains. And so your body's going to use it just like any other protein. It's going to be broken down into amino acids and be used for building antibodies, building muscle, building body tissue. Um, So gluten is not bad at all. Um, But for people who are sensitive to it, that could cause problems. So in that situation, it would be beneficial to avoid it or reduce it. But as far as a blanket statement of people should go gluten free, that's not not um, backed by science. Well, you know, I've always believed that that food can act as a medicine for us, Mm -hmm. really. And and knowing, you know, the right foods to eat. And so I guess, you know, what what uh, but kind of back to my original question, are there certain foods you think people just really should stay away from okay. as a rule? So, again, <laughs> please tell me you're going to say sugar. <laughs> so through the lens of this idea of disordered eating. Yeah, there's no good food and bad food. All, okay. all, all foods right. can be appreciated in certain amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when people follow those very strict lists of rules, it actually in the long term leads to overeating and binging. Uh, because they're just they're constantly focused on restrict, 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 right, and right, and they feel deprived. Exactly, yes, and it becomes um, again a mental thing. <laughs> right, exactly, and so of course anything can be eaten in excess, and then it would be negative. Um, yeah. So sugar in excess, of course, is negative. Water even in excess is negative. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember some radio station did did a deal. You know, if you drunk this much water, mm-hmm. then you could win a car. And a woman killed herself. Right. Doing water. that because she drowned from the inside. Yes. Water intoxication is something that um, people can't experience. And so this um, black and white thinking of putting food in a box of good or bad just mm-hmm. really we should try to get away from that because anything enjoyed in the proper amounts is great and fine and uh, has a role in the body. So saying that sugar is bad, I disagree with that because 
your body runs off of uh, glucose in your blood, so that blood glucose level people yeah, you gotta care have about. Some of it, yeah. Right, exactly. So glucose is a sugar. So if you don't have that sugar, you're not going to be able to create energy, and that creates a lot of problems. Um, yeah. So just the blanket statement of sugar equals bad is not true. Yeah, I mean, I, I know people who've gone on a very restricted carbohydrate diet and and just had just felt weak. I mean, right. couldn't get up and do anything. Mm-hmm. Very fatigued, a lot of brain fog, and that's just because your body can't produce the energy that it needs. Okay. Well, now we hear about brain foods. I'm going to keep pressing you on, <laughs> on foods we need to eat. Yes. Do you, are, are there are there truly superfoods? Okay. Again, and I <laughs> I understand the um, approach to these foods, but just with the experience that I have in disordered eating, mm-hmm. um, there's a statistic from the National Eating Disorder Association. I believe that's the correct name, um, and it's 65% of women between 25 and 45. 45 meet the criteria for disordered eating, mm. and then another 10% could be diagnosed with a real eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia, um, but far fewer than that are actually going to be diagnosed, and so disordered eating is so common. So just re- remember that that's the lens I'm looking at. Sure, through. yeah, no, no. Um, so superfood is not a legally defined term. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer the term nutrient-dense, and yeah, so to okay, me superfood means nutrient-dense, but I just prefer the verbiage of nutrient-dense. Mm-hmm. And so things like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy, lean meats, those are all things that have a ton of bang for their buck, if you will, mm-hmm. um, as far as nutrients in every bite. And so um, those are things that are going to provide the most n- nutrients um, and most health-promoting properties with every bite that you take. Mm-hmm. Well, what about portion size, too? I know when you go out to eat, man, you know, mm-hmm. they just bring so much food. A lot of times my husband and I will split an entree, right. and it's plenty of food for us. Mm-hmm. Um, any suggestions on that, on dining out? Yeah. So from my experience, um, a lot of times people go out to eat, maybe they're celebrating something, mm-hmm. and they just kind of go in with this mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to, at the end of the night, I'm going to feel horrible because I know I'm going to overeat. I know I'm going to, you know, drink too much or eat too much or whatever. Um, and so I think starting with that mindset shift of like, you don't have to go out and end the night feeling horrible. You don't have to feel stuffed or overly stuffed. And so you can eat until you're comfortably full, knowing that this isn't the last time you're going to go out to eat, you know? Right, right. And so um, <laughs> there will be other opportunities, hopefully. Right, exactly. And so just going with that mindset of like, okay, I'm going to eat until I'm comfortably full. That way I can actually enjoy the evening. Yes. I think it's a great place to start, which sounds so simple, but many people don't don't do that. Yeah. Um, and well, so, I think it's wasteful or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And so maybe um, ordering off the kids menu, splitting a meal, I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Something I love to do is go order something and then uh, ask for a to-go box just right off the bat and save half of it and know that I'm going to And it's all pretty it. and it looks great. You yeah. know, and then you, yeah, and no, then I've you, done that too. And you think. have an easy dinner that you can. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to cook or go to the grocery <laughs> store to buy that ingredient you forgot or whatever. Um, so that's just helpful time saver and sure. money saver. And you just feel better. Yes, these are these are all all great suggestions. Say uh, say a client you know lines up to um, to come in and use your services. How does that work? I mean, what what do you how do you assess or, or help them with their diets? Sure. So I first look at some clinical history. If they have recent blood work, I can look at that and get a little insight as to right. their health history. Ask about any health conditions um, that they know of, either current or past. Um, if they have diabetes, that would be a big one. Something they kind of is just part of their everyday life that they maybe don't think of so much anymore, but that would be really beneficial to know that uh, clinical piece and then understand their dietary history. So what beliefs do they have about food? What is their experience with dieting, diets, um, restrictions, stuff like that? And then using the approach of medical nutrition therapy combined with intuitive eating, I have found to be very beneficial just because I see mostly women 
and disordered eating is just so, so, so common. So I think addressing the physical, mental, and social aspects of nutrition is really beneficial. Now you have an office, are you yes. working out of, at Halo? Yes. Yeah, Halo. Tell me about that. It's so fun. I love it. I um, was looking for an office space and Halo Athletic Center um, during quarantine, I found out they had an empty office. And so mm-hmm. I just called and asked if I could rent it from them and they were kind enough to rent it for me. And so I have loved officing out of there. It's really fun to have other um, people working in that space who are also very uh, interested in oh, health yeah. and learning Inter- and, mm-hmm. and exercise. And yeah. That's right there at uh, Bagby and um, Highway 6 or Loop 340. It's yeah. right right there. And um, so so what, what lies ahead for you? I mean, what do you hope what do you hope a client who comes to you gets from their relationship with you? I hope that they would get a better understanding of food and nutrition. And so those buzzwords they hear in the media wouldn't be so scary. So mm-hmm. things like um, these different diets they've heard of or, you know, buzzwords like cholesterol or, you know, sugar or amino acids that people I don't think or gluten people, they hear them a lot, but they don't really understand them and how their body uses those things. And so a lot of education. I also teach at Baylor University, and so I love the education aspect. Um, and they would walk away with a very applicable plan of how to improve their health in a way that fits them. So I never give clients a list of rules. Um, we always come up with a plan that's realistic for them, for their budget, for their schedule, for their family, um, for their food preferences. I think taste and preferences play a huge role. Sure. I'm never going to ask a client to eat foods they don't like. <laughs> if they don't like kale, they don't have to eat kale. Um, I've tried kale. I just have a... <laughs> This is tough for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of kale either. Um, I might ask them to try new foods if yeah. they if they don't eat any vegetables. I th- I say, well, let's make it a goal this week to try two new vegetables okay. and maybe cook them in different ways to mm-hmm. see if that influences flavor. Um, and so learning educational aspect and then having very applicable plan in place that is realistic for them. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. I mean, you have a very common sense approach to to food and. and, and you know, I didn't have a preconceived notion, but I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised <laughs> with how, you know, how practical you are about it and how, you know, we need to listen to our bodies mm-hmm. and, um, and, and work with that. But it's so important having proper nutrition. Right, exactly. And I think the biggest thing, so I'm just kind of thinking back to your uh, last question, I really want my clients to feel comfortable and at home in their bodies. Yeah. I feel like the uh, social norm is to always be at war with your body. So always trying to change it, yeah. always trying to fight against um cravings or fight against intuition of when you're hungry, when you're full. And the reality is you were only given one body and this is the one you have for your life and you're going to be living in it for the rest of your life. And so you might as well learn to have a good relationship with relationship with your body and um, understand what it needs, nutrition, self-care, that whole idea. Excellent. Courtney, how can folks get in touch with you? So I am on Instagram, Mm -hmm. Facebook, and I have a website. And so my website is nourishwellwaco.com. And the Instagram is nourish.well.waco. All right. Courtney Anderson. Yes. MSRD, LD, soon to have. CLC. CLC. Yes. <laughs> Good. All right. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Ann. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to KNOW Waco. I am your host, Debbie, here to help you get in the know about Waco. So you may be asking yourself, why am I here? I'm here to be your tour guide through Waco. I'm here to tell you all the goings-on in and around Waco. I'm going to give you the 411 on what's happening, what's going on, and what events you should go to. This is your host, Debbie, signing off. Now that you know, go. Just go, Waco. Welcome to an original Outlaw podcast. I'm Autumn Outlaw. I grew up in a very small town outside of Waco named Clifton. And it's weird when you're raised in a small town, it's easy to forget that there's a bigger world beyond those dirt roads. Find more at anoriginaloutlaw.com or go to Facebook and look for Original Outlaw and find some of the different tips and tricks we talk about in the podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. We all seem to be more focused than ever on our health, especially protecting ourselves best we can from the COVID-19 virus. But we're hearing about the upcoming flu season. That's something else to worry about. But we know that the diet is key to good health and, of course, exercise. But sometimes injury, wear and tear can really affect our ability to go for a run or even go for a walk much less hit the gym. Joining me now, Dr. Nathan Kent, who is Doctor of Physical Therapy with Heart of Texas Physical Therapy. And I happen to meet you at a gym. Yes, ma'am. At Halo, where you work out and, and you've got to rearrange your schedule because normally you'd be working out right now. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I appreciate it. So just how important is it that we move our bodies, our physical bodies? It's it's just extremely important, um, especially with the lockdowns and things going on. Uh, we see a lot of our elderly population has been you know, socially isolated and inside and not being able to do their normal routines. Um, simple activity is going to the grocery store is really great for our, our older population and they haven't been able to do that. Uh, so we see a little bit of functional decline. So that's very important for just the, the simple walk around the neighborhood, um, you know, getting up and down off the couch um, a couple times an hour. Uh, simple exercises like that are really great just for the aging population. And then if we can, 
keep going into the gym and the different exercises, whether it's in your garage or in the living room or at one of the local gyms, like you said, at Halo where we met. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of get out of the habit of, of working out or, or, you know, whatever your physical routine is. Um, is there any one thing you think people should do no matter what, like every day? I think walking, Yeah, walking every day. Um, and then if you compare that with a little bit of stretching, those are really great stimulus to, to keep your body active and, and strong and where it needs to be. Well, um, you know, for, for a lot of folks, back issues, as certainly as we, as we age, and I've discovered that. We were chatting about that ahead of time. Yes. Um, but I really and truly think some of my problem has to do with the iPhone and has to do with the, the posture we get into between using our, our laptops or, our, you know, even our desktop computers and just how ergonomically we're sitting. Yes. yes. What, what can we do to, to kind of address that? Right. So, I mean, the first thing I always tell my patients is set timed rest breaks, uh, 15, 20 minutes, put a timer on your phone with, you know, a kind of an annoying uh, alarm system to make you get up and, and stretch, bend over, stretch your back, um, raise your arms up overhead, touch your toes, walk around for a minute or two. It's a small break um, that will really help you in the long run over the day of either sitting at the desk or sitting on a couch or gaming for the kids, things like that. Right. You get into a posture and right. just stick that way. Right. And before you know it, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't move. Yeah. And so the other thing I want to talk about is posture. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all, we're in this society of you need, you need good posture. You need good posture. And you're, you're kind of hammered with that, that topic. Mm-hmm. Sit up straight. Uh, the, the old, you know, books on your head. Can you walk with exactly, books on your head exactly. you know, as young ladies? Um, and so that, that can get old at, at times and mm-hmm. people are tired of hearing it. They're like, yeah, I know my posture. Um, but here's what I have to say. Any posture is bad if you stay in it for too long. Okay. So even if you have the best posture in the world, if you don't move, that posture can get really annoying and really irritable very quick. So the best remedy for that is to move out of different postures, whether it's a forward slumped posture with right. your slu- with your shoulders are slumped forward. And your head is down. And your head is down. Move it out of that posture, and then you can go back into it. As long as you're moving in and out of the postures, you're, you'll be okay because you're actively and passively stretching your muscles um, and getting – lubrication to your joints, basically. Right, right. I had a doctor tell me one time, uh, he said, and he said, if you'll do yoga or Pilates for the rest of your life, that'll be the best thing you can do for yourself. What, uh, what do you think about that? That's a, that's a pretty good, that's pretty good advice. Um, I would say, I don't have a bias towards like giving certain exercises or certain types of exercises, Pilates, yoga, mm-hmm. lifting, cardio. You know, if you're moving, I'm, I'm happy with it. If you're having pain with certain movements, then we can talk and, you know, switch it up and and figure out why you're having those pains. But as long as you're moving, then you're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And well, and strengthening. And I, you know, as as you age, I think the, the biggest fear, at least for for me, is falling. Yes, as I tend to break <laughs> when yes. I fall. I don't yes. know what the deal is. But yeah, you, you, you don't want to fall and break a bone. And um, so but then should that happen? You go and get that addressed, and then they come and make an appointment with you. So let's talk a little bit about your business and what all you have to learn. I mean, I was I was reading up on a physical therapists. You are a doctor of physical therapy. Yes, ma'am. Are most of them, you know, masters or 
I don't I think you're the first doctor of physical therapy <laughs> I've ever met. So it's a transitioning thing. Uh, I can't remember the year, but the APTA, which is the American Physical Therapy Association, their um, vision for the year 2020, you know, I think it was maybe put out in 2010 or 2000, but was to transition every single physical therapy school into a doctoral program, mm. which means adding differential diagnosis and a lot more in-class hours in order to make us a direct access healthcare profession, which means patients can come see us right after their injury or their concern or their fear. Um, but not necessarily instead of seeing, say, an orthopedic not, guy or correct. whatever. So we can, we can then look at them and say, yes, that is something we can treat or no, maybe you, maybe you should go see your physician and, mm -hmm. and get an image or have a wow. second opinion. Um, so that was the reason for transitioning all physical therapy schools from a master to a doctorate program. Um, there was a lot of, there was a couple other reasons, but that was a big one for us. So what got you interested in this line of work? <laughs> So uh, I guess this is the, the normal tagline for a, for a physical therapist, but I was a baseball player yeah. um, growing up, and I had a couple injuries. Uh, I think my first time going to physical therapy was when I was 15, and I just wow. I, I fell in love with the clinic. It was, Did you really? It was weird. They um, are kind of fun. There's yeah, all kinds of toys. Definitely, yes. Lots of, lots <laughs> lots of balls of and manipulatives and, and, and yes, things, yeah, yeah. colorful stuff, even putty that you can do. Yes, exactly, <laughs> all kinds of exactly. fun stuff. Um, so I even told my mom when she was taking me to physical therapy, I was like, Hey, can we go an hour early just uh, so I can watch? And then I'd stay really? like an hour late after my appointment wow. and just watch. Um, so I would spend tons of time at the clinic, just, just watching, um, what was going on, seeing the interactions between the therapists and the patients and the staff. Um, it, it was really an, 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 a cool place to be for me. And I, and I just, I loved the environment. Well, and a lot of what you do is education. Yes. Too. Yes. I think I would say 50% of my mm -hmm. job and interaction with the patient is patient education. Um, we even document, you know, patient was educated on this, educated on that, because we want to see the patient learn and develop new tools for themselves to help treat themselves later if they come across the issue again of back pain or neck pain or an ankle sprain. We want to give them the tools to be able to help treat themselves and manage their own health care. What would you say is the most common thing you see in your practice? Probably back pain. Yeah. Back, back, <laughs> back pain and balance. I too, when your back hurts, I mean, it just sort of you know, spasms and all that kind of stuff. And, and you don't want to get taking the pain relievers all the time. And they, right. they won't prescribe them anymore. I right. mean, that I kind of suspicion the problem with, you know, the misuse of pain relievers may have come from back pain. Yes. Uh, so that, that is a touchy subject to get into with the, the opioid epidemic and, um, yeah. you know, surgeries and, and things like that, that you, you go down that road of, of back pain. But I would say try physical therapy first. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased because I'm a physical therapist, but it is a much cheaper and effective option for back pain. Um, that way you don't go down that slippery slope of the painkillers and surgery. Um, I actually have an interesting fact about back surgeries. Um, do you know what the number one uh, predictive factor for having a back surgery is? No, I don't. Ha having a previous back surgery. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know what I think. I put a bump. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that yeah. joke before. Yeah, unfortunately, except I think there. My mother had two compression fractures in her spine mm -hmm. at, at age ninety. Yes, and 
when they can shoot something in there and stabilize that, that's the closest thing to miracle that medical is, treatment I've ever seen. Those are great procedures, especially for the, the aging population yeah. when you do have those compression fractures. Um, hopefully what we're trying to do as physical therapists is prevent those compression fractures sure. by keeping people active and, and good posture and, and um, basically just, just active in general. Yeah, we're talk, talking about various sports. I'm a tennis player and have been for many years. Not a great player, just a club player. <laughs> but but I've worked with a trainer for many years, many, many years. And and always from the get-go was, I want to be playing tennis when I'm 75. I see these ladies on the court. And they're having a ball. The guys do. I mean, playing tennis. And that's one sport I think I can, I'll be able to do if I can manage to keep my knees, elbows, shoulders. You know, you go down the list right. of of joints that can give you, pro- or, you know, arthritis, it's gripping the racket. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that can happen. Right, right, right. So there, there's obviously going to be the aches and pains of playing sports because it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a high demand on your body, but it's also a good stimulus for building strength and mobility and endurance and, and maintaining that throughout your life, which I think that's a great goal to be playing tennis until you're 75. I wish everyone had that goal. Um, I would love to be able to go and play slow pitch softball until yeah, I'm 75. You know, <laughs> and that's the, you know, that's the thing. Some of these sports, you know, that kids are playing and they're very aggressive at it. And, you, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, when you're an adult, are you really going to be playing flag football? I mean, are you really going to be doing that? <laughs> And so, you know, for golfers too, those that you know want to want to keep doing something active, um, that's maybe more fun than just walking. Right, right, right. And we can definitely address those things if they're having pain with the activity. Right. We can address those things. Maybe it's a, a range of motion deficit or a strength deficit, um, mobility, or or just neural tension in general, kind of where the spine lines up and 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 affects the nervous system. We can address all those things to help people do the things that they love to do, like golf or tennis or, or slow pitch softball. Well, the main thing, you know, for all of us is to get out and do something. Yes. To, to try to stay moving, try to try to keep the body going, because it's also intertwined. It's, you know, the, the bit about the, the knee bone connected to that. You know, yes. it is. It's all connected, and you have to learn all that. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think my... The, the quote that sticks with me the most is from a clinical instructor that I had back in school. Um, he said, the, if you're not addressing the nervous system, you're missing 99% of the problem. Really? So what, what is connecting our whole bodies? It's our brain, our spinal cord, and the nerves that go to all the muscles. Those are the ones that are transmitting the signals of, of fatigue or soreness or pain or or. I guess, happiness and, and, and things like that in your brain. It's all, it's all mm-hmm. um, perceived in your brain. So if you're not addressing that nervous system, but you're not, you might not be hitting the, the problem um, directly at its origin. So anytime I see my patients, we're, we're working on stretching and basically desensitizing the nervous system because usually when they're seeing me, they've had some kind of traumatic or chronic pain or mm-hmm. onset or maybe of a surgery, a, a or surgery or things like that. The nervous system is really good at protecting your body and guarding. That's why you get that muscle tension. That's guarding. That's from your nervous system. It's trying to protect you and let you heal. Mm-hmm. But after a while, that stuff needs to go away and allow you to move. So we address the nervous system with different types of stretches and uh, mobility exercises. Uh, cardio is a great thing to, for the nervous system as well. Get you on a, a recumbent bike or um, an elliptical or treadmill. Get your heart uh, heartbeat up and then your blood pumping. 
got to be real rewarding to you, though, to have a patient come in and maybe had a surgery or whatever and could barely move, you know, and then see them by the time you're done. Yes, definitely. Moving, uh, you know, yeah. moving and enjoying yeah. life a little more. You know, I, I had a patient yesterday that I saw that was exactly that story. She had a back surgery, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple other complicating factors, and she was just really stiff in the neck and the low back and the hips, and she was bent over walking in, and, um, you know, any any movement was just like, ow. Out, oh, yeah, out, yeah, like and you, you just don't want to yeah. move, you know. And I saw her yesterday, and we've got her um, deadlifting 35 pounds off <gasps> the out. ground so she can pick up her kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's pressing, you know, 20 pounds over her head. She's walking for 30 or so minutes every day. Wow. And I'm just like, this is amazing. I love to see that for them. <laughs> and she was so happy about it, too. It was her birthday, too, and I was like, I was like, well, happy birthday. That's, <laughs> uh, that's a great present. You're able to go home and pick up your kids now. Oh, man, it is a gift. And then you were able to help her with yes. that. that. That is true. Well, we're almost to the end, but I like to end these visits with a kind of a questionnaire. It's similar to the one the late, great James Lipton would use on his show, Inside the Actor's Studio. You're too young. <laughs> I do probably it, am. Do you, you even know about Inside the Actor's Studio? Because here's my list. Okay. What's your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Baseball. My eyes, <laughs> okay. my, my eyes light up when I, see, when I hear baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's not such a great thing right now. We're wondering if the season's going to happen or not. But <laughs> What's your least favorite word? Mayonnaise. All right. <laughs> That's different. Okay. No, what not to give you peace out of the mayonnaise yeah. in it, that's for sure. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, good conversation. Uh, good conversation, whether it's about physical therapy or religion, faith. Um, I'll even get into a little politics, but good conversation is, is something that, that makes me happy. What turns you off then? Mm, that's a tough one. I'd say inability to see other people's opinions, yeah. the, the negativity of that conversation, I guess. Right, right. What sound do you love the most? Mm, the crack of a wood baseball bat. <laughs> We're back to the baseball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that, I know you played college ball. Yes, I did. That ping. Yeah, there's yeah. some those high-pitched pings, and then there's the low-pitched pings. <laughs> I was a pitcher, so I didn't like hearing those. Yeah. I wanted to hear the, the, the slap of the catcher's mitt. <laughs> right. All right, so uh, what sound do you hate? Mm. That sound that I just made. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, what other profession would you want to try that you didn't? Ooh, that's a good question. Because you always knew what you wanted to do. Yeah, from from the young age yeah, of fifteen, I kind of always really? wanted to be a physical therapist. And now that I'm here, I don't know. I don't want to change. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's uh, maybe later in life a teacher. My parents were both teachers. I think I'd like to go back and teach. Right. What job do you know you would not want to do? Politician. <laughs> I don't know. You're pretty. You're pretty tactful, and you're quick <laughs> on your feet. I think you could do just fine. Okay. So, what do you want to hear God say to you as you arrive at the pearly gates? Nathan, you did a good job. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> good. good. Well, you have. So how can folks get in touch with you if they're like, I really need to talk to that young man? So I work at Hard Sex Physical Therapy. Um, I even brought some of my cards here, and I'll give them to you uh, <laughs> okay. if anyone asks you. But sure. uh, our, our uh, business phone number is 254-301-7374, or you can email me at therapist at h-o-t-p-t dot org good um go ahead and give us a call if you're having any kind of pain or limitations functional limitations if you're 
deconditioned from sitting inside and, and having to be locked down, give us a call. We can help out with anything that that you feel is necessary to get you back up and moving and, and living a healthy life. Very good. Thank you, Dr. Nathan Kent. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.